What's happening, y'all? Welcome back to the newest episode of For Mandalore, the podcast talking all things The Mandalorian. Guys, we've got a huge deal on our hands today with this newest episode coming out, The Jedi, the newest episode of The Mandalorian. Guys, I'm here with T-Bob. My name's Nick, and we got Jesse the Jetpack Don, the inimitatable Jetpack Don, that is. Before we start off, guys, I wanted to give a shout out uh, and dedicate this episode to David Prowse. Oh. Our guy in the suit, yeah, who uh, sadly passed away recently. Um, he has given us all those classic scenes of so much emotion that he just portrays from his from his motions, from his movements. That is just inimitable, like the jetpack Don is. Yeah, it's well. So, said. in the spirit, in the R. spirit R. of David Vader. Prowse, rest in peace. And we will chug on with this very, very, very important episode of Four Mandalore. I know the Jetpack Don had a few words that he wanted to say before we got into the episode itself about how they handled Ahsoka. So, Jetpack, I'm going to let you just take it away. I want to set this up for the listeners. So, in our little trio, like I always say, Nick, you're the KOTOR expert. That's where you are the true lore master. Um, Jesse is... I mean, he knows the cartoons and everything backwards and forwards, and he has been more than anybody that I have ever talked to. He has been more of a believer and a fan of the character of Ahsoka than anybody that I have ever met. And so, like, with that in mind, what was it like seeing her live action for the first time, Dave Filoni's creation, uh, live action? So I put I wrote four kind of words down because when you try to think about how incredible something is, you had this initial reaction that was just awesome, and I thought they nailed it. I thought Rosario Dawson was incredible. I thought they brought Ahsoka. Uh, it's like I told y'all, this is my daughter's first introduction into a Jedi, and here it is, Ahsoka Tano's introduction scene. So it was a very powerful kind of moment for me as a as a as a father, but also as a, as an intense fan. So I did these four words, and I said validation culmination, imagination, and creation. And I'm going to go through them real quickly, kind of how I think it applies, right? So Ahsoka was originally this character that the the, snar- the Star Wars snarky, the bougie, bourgeoisie, uh, original Star Wars fans that just thought it was an untouchable thing. You couldn't do any other creative you couldn't make any content everything had to flow through the original trilogy and when they announced that they were going to bring anakin skywalker's padawan to canon via this new animated show there was a lot of hate out there i mean there was a lot of people who were upset that they would that that you could even think of touching vader and anakin in this way and they introduced ahsoka i mean look little bit i i hate to admit it but that was me uh, back in the day, and I wasn't like active online, like I hate this or whatever, but I remember immediately dismissing the original Clone Wars movie when I learned that it was animated, and when I learned that Anakin now had a secret apprentice, I was like, what is this? This is lame, and here we are, and I could not have been more wrong. And so that's what my point is on validation, because it, I understand where these folks come from, and I understand the initial shade. It's new, it's risky, but what what happened was he took this character, and this is something in Star Wars did that I think animation, uh, uh, Japanimation, uh, all these these uh, 
storylines have done, whether it's Goku, whether it's Naruto, you meet these characters, these hero characters, when they're maybe. Wait, wait, wait. You, bring, you, you, broke, you broke up for a second. Wait, wait, wait. You broke up for a second. You meet these characters when what? When they're young. When they're when they're toddlers and kids, you and you age with them, right? So if we think about Batman, Batman's been the same age my entire life, yeah. right? When you think about Superman, he's basically been the same age my entire life. Here, these you grow with them, so you meet her as a as a young little firecracker Padawan who they say. Anakin Skywalker can train and people were skeptical about animation but what does animation have that the uh, live action doesn't have animation has no limits yeah you can take the force and anything that you can dream of any artistic wide angle shot or any force power coming alive that you have a hard time pulling off in live action you can not only pull it off in animation you can expand on it so Ahsoka comes into Clone Wars, and, and Clone Wars, what it did, it, it did for me, and what I think it's done for everyone else, it's expanded what the Force was capable of doing, right? Like, now that technology and live action is, is caught up a bit, but there we were seeing things like Windu taking out individual screws from droids and, and Ahsoka coming in here. And so that's, that, that, that episode back to the original it validated what they were going to do and they were going to tell the story of the clone wars through an animated series i mean add depth we're talking tons of episodes right we not just three uh feature-length films we're talking hours and hours and hours of content and what did this do it took 10 12 years to bring her to character and here we have validation Right, we validated that we were right, and Ahsoka was our Jedi, and she was going to be our hero, and it's just going to take her a little while to get there. And then I said culmination. The culmination part is all this years of planning and drawing and and doing the stories and cr fleshing out Mandalore and fleshing out Thrawn and all these other things gave this opportunity to bring a character who had now we've converted people who originally didn't like her. We've got this huge fan base coming in here. And then we have this culminating moment, which was the reveal of Ahsoka. They didn't hesitate. They brought her right out and it blew every one of my expectations away. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely that, that was incredible. I mean, you know what I mean? Finally, it wasn't a little teaser. We didn't have to wait till the end right out of the gate. Here comes our dual wielding white slaver, white uh, mm. white lightsaber, mm. freaking samurai wizard ninja running through the uh, you know the forest that's been burned down. Just incredible, very dark night. I mean, has she been training with the League of Shadows? Because <laughs> these dudes were scared. You know, uh, she was using fear as her weapon. I mean, we'll get down into the intricacies of the character and the depth of the character. But those little things, those are little subtle differences. Ahsoka fully embraced fear as a tactic to just completely destroy this little squadron of mercenaries. Right. And then we have uh, imagination. It just here's Dave Filoni with this this unending imagination that just he's he's a drawer. He's an artist, and he took these this character smack dab and put her in what I think, like T. Bob said, it's just artwork shot after shot. Right. This is just his sketchbook come to life, and he's taken everything he's ever learned and and said, 
Ahsoka, here it is. And the amount of pressure that was there from everyone was huge. People were, I mean, Ahsoka is not an easy character to bring live action. She is not a human. Yeah. Okay. She is not human. And then the last part is creation. Now, the best part about it, all this Coleman, all this years and years of hard work and, and, and perseverance and George Lucas coming in. And, and remember, Lucas was the original guy of Clone Wars. So he was the godfather of Star Wars. So anybody who has any issue with uh, anything Clone Wars, well, he's the guy. This was his pet project, his baby. But now we're in creation. It's just beginning. That's yeah. what blew my mind. This yeah. is her first intro. Yeah. Like, this is all just beginning for her. She's got 12. This was all intro. runway, and now she's, like, she stills about, she's about, to, she's taking off. That's the yeah. most mind-blowing thing ever, dude. And I know that's a lot of shit at the very beginning, but I had to try to boil it all down. But that's how I feel. Like, here we are, this, this moment of validation, this culminating moment, and here you are, you've got one shot, you know, kind of that, you know, here it is, and you when you when you nail it, when you hit a golf ball and you know you crushed it, or when you hit a baseball and you know you crushed it, you don't even feel it, right? It's just yeah. like warm, you know, hot knife through butter, and that's what he did with this. And from here on out, I mean, even even my fires are uh, like where I kind of had this thing pegged and predicted because I've watched so much Clone Wars. I'm even now like, where are they going to go? Where is this thing going to go? And and I think it was awesome. Uh, Nick, I won't take any more time. I think we have to get into the actual chronological order of the episode. But that, for me, was a big moment. I thought freaking Rosario Dawson absolutely yeah. nailed it. Rosario Dawson was phenomenal. She just she she did the best job possible of taking Dave Filoni's vision and just applying it perfectly. She, man, and you know she studied the animated character, the little smirks, the little yeah. crossings of the arms, yeah. the light little walking through the, the deal. I mean, she looked like her. There is a shot of of it's the very beginning and you've got the the governess the what do they call her they call the her the magistrate, magistrate. Yeah, the magistrate. magistrate which uh which is sitting there and she's elevated and she's talking down from the gate and Ahsoka is in the distance and it looks just like Ahsoka yeah. I mean you would have thought it was the animated version on the on the TV so they just nailed it uh, yeah. I mean, what did y'all think? Okay, so well, first off, yeah. beautifully said, Jesse. Um, Nick, do you do you want to go ahead? But yeah, that was that that was wonderful. Uh, I love how you broke it down into those kind of four thought silos. I think it was perfectly said on all fronts. No, that's uh, I was all I was gonna say is just that's why he's such a great asset to the pod. I mean, with insights yeah. like that. Uh, so that's, okay, that's, so that's, I'll I'll say this then. Um, on the subject of Ahsoka, uh, she was incredible. And, and I guess I'll preface everything I say with this. In my mind, and I do not think this is exaggeration or hyperbole, I do not believe that I'm being a slave to the moment. I think that this episode is the best live-action Star Wars that I have ever seen outside of Empire. Like, if I was to do an overall ranking, this episode would be probably maybe even, like, right ahead of A New Hope. Uh, that's how much I think I enjoyed this. Um, as far as Ahsoka and, and bringing her to life, uh, we, we've talked in this pod, or at least I have, about, like, how tough it is to make live action and how it's a bit like magic when all the elements come together and work perfectly, and that's what you have here again in this show, uh, not only does I think Rosario Dawson's like charisma really shine through. I mean, when you watch her, 
in that show. Um, she seems completely like she seems like someone who is supremely confident that is completely in control of every situation that she's in. Like the only two times you saw a slight crack, I thought was when she talked about Anakin and oh. how she's seen the best people fall. That was definitely, there was some emotion there. And then when she got down to one blade in the final fight, which we'll talk about, and she just went feral beast mode. But outside oh, of that, wow. just like carried herself like somebody who has spent a lifetime fighting wood, uh, just a true duelist master of life. Um, so, so, so Rosario Dawson nailed that just in her charisma and how she carried herself. But how about even stuff like the costume design? Um, the, the, the cape that she can kind of lose when she needs to, like when Mando flames it, she easily flips it off into her kind of baggy pants look. Somehow the silhouette where it's just so, it just all works. The it's so cohesive. Tone, it flows. Color. Everything just, color. yeah. Everything just flows together perfectly visually. And, and, and so that's where I'll transfer into saying that this was easily the most beautiful episode of The Mandalorian. Yet Dave Filoni's growth as a live action director is wild to me. Because I thought easily the, the the worst episode last year was the kind of young assassin episode that he directed. And even then, um, it wasn't just that I didn't, you know, the story, even though who knows, maybe it ends up paying huge if it is now, right? Even though it wasn't just about the story, it was also um it, it, it was also just how it was shot, right? I thought it was a little bland. This episode, on the other hand, felt like every single shot was a painting, a composition. It felt like, to me, you have this master animator who that's how he thinks is in these beautiful, wide shots. And you have this master animator that finally has the budget to bring what is in his brain to life. He has the trust of the studios that he can pull it off. And then he's got access to John Favreau's, um, to John Favreau's movie making prowess. And it is just a perfect storm that helped to create the most beautiful episode of star Wars television. I mean, star Wars that I've ever really seen. Like when Ahsoka and Grogu, are sitting beneath the moon in the barren Ooh. forest. I mean, that Star Wars scene is up there with Luke and Yoda. It's up there with when they're chilling on the Falcon for me, which I love. Luke looking off at the two suns. It is legendary. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So, so am I. I, mean, I, I, this I, is I just really can't one of the say enough that, about the visual and, design. No. And I, I, I think that was beautifully said by both of you. And I think... Um, I mean, this is really just one of the only episodes that I've gone, you know, I've just been sitting, I watched it sitting in my house and I just went, wow. Yeah. It's just like audibly. It's like, wow. <laughs> like it's, that's, you're you're that, blown away. I was, I was in the yeah. same boat. Um, yeah. You sit, you sit there and, and you really, and I don't think we're the only ones that thought this. You're like, what did I just watch? Yeah. Like, what did I just watch? Yeah. And back to this kind of over th overall themes we I talked about earlier is like you brought up the Anakin part where she talks about why she can't train him, how she's seen the best of the Jedi Knights. The, Which, I mean, that, I, the, I, to me, I can't help but get huge New Hope vibes, right? I mean, it's Alec Guinness. That was Rosario Dawson oh, yeah, she doing is. her she's Alec Guinness. Oh, absolutely. And, and right right there, um, th those words don't have the weight if we didn't know the 
history of Anakin and Ahsoka and yeah. Ahsoka and Vader. And I mean, arguably, we know more about the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka than we do about Anakin and Luke and Anakin and Padme. I'd put her right up there with Padme and as as Anakin's like the person that we know the most. I mean, I think I think with. I think it's Obi Wan and Anakin. We know them pretty well from the show, and then it's Anakin and Ahsoka. They're on the same level. I feel like we yeah. know both those relationships just as well. And when you and when you entered, and this is what they do such a good job of, and the details, and they they don't. They're the details that you don't notice until you go back and rewatch that make the the composition that T Bob's talking about so great. So when we're pulling in to this planet, right? First of all, we've had this electric fight scene, just electric, mm. and we could talk about all the different cuts. But <laughs> when you're pulling into the planet Corvus, it is exactly right down the middle. Half is of it is lit on fire and dark, and the other half is like bright and green and it makes and it makes the uh, the moon scene that t-bob talked this is a half moon half of the moon yeah. was white half of the moon was dark and the dark yeah. side was at ahsoka's back and the light side was at her front and what we're seeing is they are showing you right now that they're already introducing you to ahsoka who is this 50 50 kind of dark side you know she is, is she the bindu is she like the bindu she's in the middle or is she, she just saying that like she it. doesn't believe in the Jedi code, that she kind of lives by her own code? Well, well, I think what it shows is that she, the Jedi is rigidness in their bureaucracy led, yes. at the end of Revenge of the Sith is led to what led to their epic downfall. And she recognized this and called them to the carpet on it. And you know what them fuckers did? They kicked her out of the order, bro. Yeah. I mean, so you got to think if we're thinking about Jedi in the true original sense of being the good guys, right? Of the four, they were, they weren't these big political mash uh, guys. They were the traveling uh, wizard who would help the town or yeah. get you know press the flesh of the people. The Jedi Council was very elevated. They, they were tied the into like governments and, all, and things like all that. All the bullshit. And Ahsoka recognized this. And when she went to call him out, when they falsely accused her of some things that she didn't do and they didn't believe her and didn't trust her, she then got a sense of maybe this whole construct is broken, right? Yeah. And they and Anakin was like, I can get you back. I can get you back. And you know what she said? Peace, bro. I'm out. And and I think she doesn't get the credit for this. She uh she withstood the seductive nature of Anakin and Vader multiple times and was able to walk away and leave, bro. And that is not an easy task. And uh, it's and not it's easy. Probably, it's not easy physically, right? Fighting him, which she's done. And it's not easy, especially mentally, like you said, avoiding that temptation. Well, walking away from him and feeling the immense guilt that she felt right. Like, but she knew, I mean, the clone wars was gave you a lot of insights to where, you know, what Anakin just didn't wake up and become Darth Vader one day. I mean, he's had a few episodes down the line where, whether it's slaughtering the, 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 the folks on Tatooine or some other, you know, Dooku. I mean, he's done some things. Well, I mean, where and then, like, and then like, like Filoni says, kind of his, his, just look at his upbringing, right? No figure. father ripped away from his mother. Um, 
and not 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 really wanted, right? Like Qui Gon was kind of like that father figure. He loses him. Obi Wan's more like a brother. It's it's stuff that Filoni talked about earlier in that gallery show. Anakin had Anakin as powerful as he was and as good as he tried to be. He had a lot of factors that built a lot of natural rage in and him you know and understandable and rage. And that and and I don't want to jump there, but you opened the, a great opportunity. That's why she left Grogu with Mando. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it's one of the reasons why I have a few theories on that, but there was a, there was a, there was a sense of agreement at the end of thankfulness from Grogu to Ahsoka for letting her remain with, with Din Djarin. And I think she also knows maybe, maybe this attachment thing, maybe some of the things that we were taught through the, the political bureaucracy of the Jedi order is not maybe what. It's an unintended consequence. It wasn't what the Jedi originally wanted to be, right? They didn't. And so I think she probably, and, and she knows the story of Anakin Skywalker. You know, what happens if we don't rip him from his mom? What happens if we bring her with him? You know, there's some other things. Yeah. There's all these what ifs. And so I think that's part of what played into it. Uh, but, you know, back to the scenes and and to how he, he drew this episode and set it up. I mean, it, there are so many shots and and I'll just kind of take one and then I think y'all can take one and we'll just kind of go that route. But when she is igniting and reigniting <laughs> and then taking out her lights, take, turning off her lightsabers and then turning them back off, I think what a simple effect, but man, did it add some gravitas to her. Uh, the to her sound, st- her fighting the, style. the effects the the way that they present her lightsabers just the actual noise of them yeah. themselves is just like spine tingling and, and what was like, that what was that like feedback noise when she would be on the attack it wasn't her lightsaber i think it was just a little audio touch but there was this like bassy kind of guttural feedback well, uh, uh, sort that of that is his uh and look he he that's gordonson and he does it again, that same noise when Mando, you know, he's trying to get her to take Grogu under her wing and train him. And she's finally telling him, like, no. And he's coming to grips with, like, no, she's, this is a hard, hard no from her. And he goes, well, the lady hired me to kill you. And you see a flip yes, in her yes, eyes. Yes, and it does go And like, they bring that sound back out. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, I'm not going to do anything, though. I'm not, like, <laughs> threatening to do anything. Yeah. You know, like, she bloodlust is kind of what I call it. Or, you know, the the... The thrill. So a couple things that I love about that opening fight, um, just the moves themselves are cool, right? I love that you get a soak off the bat and the immediate crouching shot with the two sabers. <coughs> the white sabers really shined in that setting. The Baron Force setting is incredible. I love when she cuts the tree and the guy in half and then force pushes the chunk of the tree oh. into another oh, guy and yeah. the tree falls <laughs> behind her as she disappears again. The precision. She's a surgeon with the force, yes, son. Yes, and I and I like to assume that the entire time to that to that point, Jesse. I like to assume that why she is able to so fully conceal herself is that she is literally manipulating the dust around her, right? So, like all that dust that she's kicking up in these fights, that ash, whatever it is, that she is using subtle force movements to basically cloak and conceal her movements and then reveal herself at will, which you see that she does for the magistrate. Yeah. And, and, uh, and there's a time in the original opening fight where she takes like two fingers, she's like got her back to a tree, 
And she yeah. takes these two fingers, kind of point. I think that she like tapped the dude on his opposite shoulder, and then when he turned around, she was already there, like dual igniting her lightsaber. Well, I, I got just, the feeling there that or, she like snapped a twig and made them look I, I that could, way. I don't know what she did, but she it it she does this little surgical little move with her little little force dart or whatever it is, and then this is where you got a sense this ain't. This ain't your grandpa's Jedi. She was waylaying these cats. Like, she was yeah. murking these dudes, bro. Yeah. Like, And I mean, uh, I, Filoni them. did give us this great, like, kind of 80s, 90s. I don't know how far back goes, but this great old-school horror shot where we had the first-person monster shot, right? Like, you were Ahsoka in that one time where she runs up on the dude. And, and I love it because all it is oh, is yeah. just, like, a fast-moving camera just with sound design. But but it just I don't know it felt very nostalgic to me so yeah that was a great I shot mean, the oh, opening fight she was the she was the predator bro I mean you you were the you saw it through the eyes of the predator there what did y'all think about yes exactly that's what it reminds me of is predator for sure what did y'all think about the magistrate Nick what did you think I thought I thought she was a very she did a very good job of playing like a heartless, ruthless person. Like you could tell that there was absolutely no humanity left in this person. And I think when Ahsoka gives that backstory later on as to why it makes a whole lot more sense. Cause she was involved in all the, the kind of warlord activities that um, were going on around those times. But uh, she did an excellent job of portraying the real heartlessness because especially towards the way that she would talk to her own soldiers, much less the people that she was, you know, imprisoning. Yeah, she didn't give a fuck, dude. Um, no. I thought that... She was uh, incredible. I thought that her acting was... I mean, th she was such a fun one-episode villain, right? I, th I think a very powerful yeah. storytelling technique was introducing us to Ahsoka and seeing how incredible Ahsoka was and then having Ahsoka tell Mando, like, hey, watch out for that magistrate, though. Because then you're like, oh, okay, shit. So, like, she is... Really badass. And then you hear her well, story. And I think, and, and when I read, she's like a world, like a renowned martial art kind of like stunt woman or something. And they gave her this part. Uh, I need so I'm trying to look up her name. We need to get her name because if if if, if that is true, um, that is incredibly impressive. Because my favorite part of her in the entire show was her her kind of subtle acting in the duel. And maybe that comes from her actually experiencing combat, right? Because like, uh, forgive me for the, the last name pronunciation, but it's Diana Lee. I Santo. Okay. Well, shout out to like stunt woman or I need to look it up, but, but either way, either way, when she when when she's going to duel Ahsoka, and at first, you could tell like she's like a little nervous. But then after she bangs that Beskar spear on the ground, she kind of finally transforms and she looks comfortable. And she's just like, it's it's that moment where you could tell she's just like, fuck it, let's do it. And she's she's, she's, she's entirely in control. Yeah, yeah and she's entirely. been there. It's a death match. Yes, and, called, they, yes. and like I, I felt like I really got the sense of her accepting like like through her acting just in how she was kind of moving her face a little bit i got the sense that she was like all right let's go like all right her there, acceptance there that, of the situation there was that moment right before the fight where they do kind of the the pre-fight like ggs like let's have a yeah. good fight type thing where they like look at each other and kind of nod and that was like i think that's kind of unprecedented in the fights that we've seen so well, far and it, it, it sets the tone 
Well, and that's the martial artist. So yes. in, in martial arts, the, the top masters, you, you know them because they can sit there and they stare at each other and they're all, the fight has already begun, right? For the naive yeah. eye, you think they're just standing there. For the master class martial artist, the fight has already begun and they're picking their yes. moves. They're already there. Yes. And, and so they are, they are both in a death match. She has said, I'm going to the death. And Soka says, I'm coming. We're fighting to the death to get to this. And, and they did that wide angle, uh, you know, that classic kind of, it's not a classic kill bill shot. It's like the, it's it's like the cherry blossoms floating through the air, oh, wide angle. They're on the bridge dueling with the water around them. Movies. Yeah. It's been in a lot of Kung Fu movies. Right. And what it's, and what you got a sense of is, and I reason, and this is a, maybe we're, I'm thinking too deeply, but you know, they, they called Carl Weathers, the magistrate of Navarro. And then you have this magistrate and you got to see the way two different rulers rule, right? Like here's the, yeah. the here's how a guy that's building a healthy, happy town. And here's just a ruthless, you know, ruler. And it kind of shows you the, the, the two different positions. And this is further validating us on saying, you know, we've been calling it. These are warlords now, bro. These yeah. little factions and yeah. remnants of the empire are warlords. We just they're just bigger in some areas, right? And she she did a great job of playing this classic samurai ninja village ruthless uh, warlord warlord, and and she she was so good in the fight scene and so talented that there was a real you know ahsoka was was fighting i mean it was just not just some you know she didn't just walk over her even though it's so stupid like even though to your point even though i know ahsoka is going to be fine there were a couple moments where and maybe it's because i was just thinking about the legendary beskar spear but like there was a couple moments where i was like oh is ahsoka gonna get stabbed like is she about to just like catch one maybe real quick or something here but yeah. One of my favorite parts, and this speaks to her martial arts prowess, the, the character of the magistrate, I mean, Jesse, is that when to the layman, it looked like she had the upper hand or to the outsider, she knew she had lost. And it's after she disarms Ahsoka, she takes out her long lightsaber. Like the magistrate should be the, the, the it should be winning the fight at that point. And Ahsoka just hits that, that, that grip switch grabs the blade kind of backwards like that and starts growling and the magistrate looks fucking terrified like she already knows that she has lost and then i love how ahsoka started dictating the fight after that you saw her just start eating up ground just takes two steps forward just suddenly on the offensive and and, and at that point the magistrate it's like you said jesse they already know what's going to happen they're so adept at martial arts and she knew she had lost and sure enough ahsoka took her down and there's a shot speaking of good shots there's a shot when when din jaren and the the johnny ringo i can't yeah, the know gunslinger can't the dude. we haven't even gotten to the, the gunslinger. gunslinger they're in the <laughs> they're in their little duel that's about to happen and he's like you you know you sided with the jedi burk, burk. <laughs> and uh and uh ahsoka it, I think part the part of the coloring of the episode made you made her blend in a lot, like the backdrop colors, the olives and the grays. She's standing on oh, the oh, when inner she's gate, standing on the, on the, top, on the yeah, like it's over so cool. Shoulder, it's so it's cool looking. Like, 
that shot is not talked about is how cool it is. I mean, put uh, that then, on a poster and let me put it in my daughter's room. The Mandalorian and the Jedi, dude, just teaming up, tag team. And Back. she just kind of jumps off the side. You know, she just, and everything she does, her movements, everything's quiet. It's silent. Yes. It's tiptoey. It's, she it's moves very, like how Patrick Rothfuss writes Shein in. King Killer Chronicles, like no wasted right. movement. And Rosario Dawson, um, I think I think embodies that confidence. That's what that, that that's what we I think we were talking about before we ever saw this character live action was like, can you pull off that gravitas? And yeah, and, and she has. But yeah, there's no wasted movement. Everything she is a predator. Live is how I would describe her movements. And it's uh, okay, so on the and we, subject. And what's funny is we talked about it before the, the episode before, we were like well, how's she going to be? You know, she's older. Is she going to have dual white lights, lightsabers? Is she going to be yeah. bouncing around? And we yeah. kind of were like, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe. <laughs> no, nah, dude, she came straight out of here flip-flopping around. Yeah. And her, uh, I mean, she had it all. She was and, bro, doing, it's, she tough, really, it's tough to get a blaster shot in when she's got both lightsabers working. Oh, yeah, you're done, yeah. dude. She, yeah. freaking, she dodged Order 66 in, a, in the cockpit <laughs> of, a, of a jet, dude. I mean, she can... She's going to handle these things. Um, uh, I, I, I want to talk about the gunslinger real quick because I did really enjoy him, and I've never seen Tombstone, and so I apologize for that. But I do know he's a beloved Western character. But he, I mean, to me, the two things that I love, he had the line of the night. Where he was like, what's that thing? And he's like, you know, I'd take it around for luck. He's like, you're going to need it where you're going. It's yeah. <laughs> just like asshole, dude. And then also... Um, I love that he himself is such a scrappy, adept fighter that he knew his side had lost just from listening, right? Like, like, yeah. like he he just heard the best guard hit the ground. He's like, "Ooh, looks like you won!" And of course, I love I, I love how Filoni had the quick shots of Mando's hand kind of relaxing back to the gunslinger, so he's back to Mando's, and then he tries to pop off the shot because, of course, he does. Um, right? He was fantastic. And one other thing that he really did for me was. There's one scene when he's standing by the magistrate and he's talking to her. I got such like medieval, like knight for hire, mercenary type of vibes that it really drove home to me what an incredible blend of genres this episode was. It was everything that I love. It was sci-fi. It was fantasy. It was Western. It was medieval. It was kung fu. And they somehow made it all work in this like coherent package. And it is such it a beautiful gumbo away. of all those genres. Like I, I couldn't describe that better. It just blew it's me away, dude. It, and and to have John, Johnny Ringo, who was also in the original Terminator. I mean, this guy's got some really good uh, pelts on the wall for his cat for his career. But it, you know, he he's got an ex. He's got so many lines and from Tombstone. But he just. He had that that timing, that comedic timing that yes. you were talking about, T. Bob, where it's a serious moment, and he's like, well, "You know, what is that, Baby Yoda?" He's and he's like, "It's for luck. You're going to need it." You know, it just and he was right. He was. And my favorite part is, is so that's good chronologically. I think as we bounce into, so Mando gets it. Din Djarin gets there. I thought he did an excellent job of navigating the information channels of finding Ahsoka. Right? Yeah, he was pretty like, subtle, he, dude. He was good. He was good. He, yeah, he didn't he even. Was, he, I like how he answered. Are you still in the guild? He was like, you know, he knew he's not, but he's like, ah, oh, you know, last I checked, yeah. Well, 
Well, last thought check. Yeah, that was so smooth, bro. That that whole exchange was butter. That was yes. absolute butter. And he got to see and and I, and I'm not saying they did this because of the Red Viper and Game of Thrones, <laughs> but they give Pas Pedro uh, a spear again, a dude. Spear, man. <laughs> a best car spear that looks almost exactly like the one he had in Game of Thrones. And I wonder if they did that because he may be fighting with the Red Viper, maybe having to use the spear later. I don't dude, know. he I mean, is going to. I mean, he can fight. Doubles, he can but. fight lightsabers now. We'll, 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 hold on. We'll get to the weapon a little bit, Jesse, though, because you, I, I, you were. But that's did, where they see the spear, right? She sees. He says, "Here's the spear for your payment." Right, and so that's what his moment was. He, like Nick said, he gets in and out of there smooth as shit. And he's on with a little baby Yoda, and uh, I thought that interaction. Wait, was but you fantastic. were so I know where you were gonna say though. Uh, what did you think about when Manda and Ahsoka first met? Oh gosh, I thought it was awesome. I, she. He caught him completely off guard, right? You don't just run up on a guy. And that's when the best part was that's when we got to hear that best scar on lightsaber yeah, sound effect, yeah. you know, when he puts up the two, the Wonder Woman. Yeah, uh, what it is block. the Wonder Woman block pose, dude. And, and then he's like, I mean, he, in a matter of like 10 seconds, he had to use his best car, shoot his flamethrower, wrap his fucking, uh, his rope around her, and at the end, he was like, Ahsoka Tano, please, Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> He's like, chill the fuck out, chill the fuck out, chill the fuck out. He was funny. And she was He's like, Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, bo sent me, bo -Katan. If he didn't get yeah. bo name out there, he was fucked. Stop, stop, stop. You know, it's kind of like when, uh, you know, when you, like, your little brother, your big brother or your big brother's friends or your big sister's friends, you used to be like, all right, all right, all right, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, man. Don't, you know, don't beat my ass. These, uh. And then he's got little baby Yoda sitting there, um, and and she's like, "Well, I hope it's about him." And that connection, boom! When Ooh, you well, saw dude, baby, and Yoda. then the Gunnarsson sound comes in, and that wonderful, weird violiny baby Yoda theme. I'm getting goosebumps, dude. And the half moons behind Ahsoka, and all these silhouette shots with Ahsoka and her horns just look so badass, dude. I mean, I, I got Incredible. goosebumps coursing my body when she says, "I hope it's about him." Um, well, how about this? So, hold on, because before you explore that. I think we should give Mando a little credit for holding yeah. his own there because like Ahsoka was coming to kill or if she wasn't, maybe she was testing him a bit, but I mean, he was quick with it and we got to remember for whatever Mando is. And granted, he is a child raised by combat. He's not a child raised by combat like Ahsoka. I mean, she is a ruthless child of war. She has been fighting major land wars uh, as essentially like a superhero since she was a kid her entire life. And I think this episode really got that uh, across. Like, she did, make no mistake, she fights for what is right or what she believes to be right, and we would generally agree with that, but, like, she is cold-blooded. She has seen it all. Like, when the magistrate's like, oh, what's it worth to you, 100 lives? And, like, very pragmatically, she's like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want you to kill these people, but, like, everybody's suffering under you. So, sure, whatever. It doesn't matter. Do whatever right. you got to do. Like, she, she, and, and so she is orders. So Bo-Katan was above Mando. Ahsoka is orders above Bo-Katan. This is the most elite fighter 
that we have seen. I wonder if maybe Gideon could challenge her. I don't know. But she has truly been doing this her entire life. And so credit Mando for getting like a night, like causing her to have to flip out of her cloak. And then she yeah. was legitimately right. a little surprised when he got the grapple around her until she completely reversed it on him. But good, good on Mando. And you can tell Mando is kind of a new man in this episode. I mean, not that he's really lost any luster so far, but, you know, he's got the repaired Razor Crest. He's got a mission. You know, he's on an actual mission to find a name. You know, that gives you a little bit more fire under your ass. And I think that's something that we see in this episode that's a little bit different than episodes previous. And he they got mean, the wind in their sails. We'll get yeah. into some of the Mando emotional moments to near the end, but... The the amount of the, the, the Mando being uh, Grogu's father was very driven home this episode, right? He had a lot very of that parent so. kind of anxiety when they're doing the force test. And he's like be first being a little defensive about the kid, like, oh, he doesn't listen or like, oh, this is that, you know. And then he's like, but he wants him to succeed. Um, and then really the thing that stands out to me is just at the very end when he's like, okay, I'm going to wake up Grogu and I'll bring him back. And then he says, wake up, buddy. It's time to say goodbye. And he doesn't leave. We cut and see that we just he's just been sitting there with him in his arms. Well, Andy, and he Andy, never made it back to her. He had, She had to come to him. And he's pacing. Uh, when when Ahsoka and Grogu are talking under the light of the moon, speaking on, on, on major, yep. massive yep. events, like, I don't know, the purge at Coruscant. My gosh. I mean, how heavy was that discussion? But he's sitting there pacing, going back and forth. You know, he th- th- he. Not only does Grogu look at Mando as his dad, but 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 Din Djarin looks at Grogu as his child. Yes. I mean, yeah, is, is in and that's clear. And it's 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 going to be gut wrenching when the eventual like separation or whatever happens when when this kidnapping or, or wherever we get them separated is going to be gut-wrenching. And I think we're probably going to have an opportunity where our little boy Grogu shows a little more adeptness with the dark side than people are, 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 are willing to see, are ready to see. Okay, so it's time to dive into Grogu then. Um, yeah. Uh, before that, before that, though, I want okay, to yeah, point out that, um, just a quick point, yeah. that I think uh, Jesse makes a great point in the separation and if you guys want to get a preview of what that might kind of feel like, I'd recommend diving into Avatar The Last Airbender because he plays the separation between Appa and Aang very emotionally. That's so a very good point. I think he's got a great precedent for what this is going to feel like. That's all I wanted to add. Dude, and now that you say Airbender, you know who the 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 the, uh, the, the magistrate reminded me of? Fire Nation that, guy? That, the, no, the... Uh, the the Earth Kingdom, the Earth Queen. Oh yeah, 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 uh, where, yeah. Where Dude, Earth every, Kingdom was where so the tight. Earth Kingdom, like at the root of it, you, everybody's hungry. There's crime. There's bandits, and she's just living the best life ever. Dude, and, then, uh, is that in Korra? Well, you're I love about? that too. I love when you walk into the Water Garden in this episode, and like the only green that you see anywhere near the city is, of course in this like singular palace while the masses suffer. Like that is just such a great way to get your point across that this person fucking sucks and is like a bad, like dictatorial person. That's yeah. an awesome comp, Jesse. And I, uh, one more thing I wanted to point out that people think is an Easter egg, but might not be Uh notice Mando's hands. He's got little 
uh, light blue triangles. People are saying that is similar to the Airbender tattoos Ooh, from Korra uh, and Avatar. Yeah. So but it might might be a little. I don't know if it's a stretch or not, but I saw that the other well, day. Well, I mean, this guy had a big. Uh, I mean, Filoni is a major part of the Avatar animated series, so. I mean, Why that's not? what led Avatar led to this. Like, literally, you don't get Ahsoka live action without him working on Avatar first. So, and yeah, we I all agree. love Last Airbender. Um, so let's talk Grogu. Because, like I said, some of those powerful Star Wars scenes I've ever seen. First off, um, any reaction when you heard the name? I think it's good. I liked it. I, I was very middle of the road as soon as I heard it. I... Um, I'm gravitating towards it a little bit more now, um, but I, I'm still kind of, I would say, 60% in favor. I, I feel like I've gained like a further attachment to him now that I know his name. Like I feel like I can hey, finally like talk you've about reading, him. Yeah, you've been reading that name of the wind, bro. Names have meaning. True <laughs> name, son. Uh, well, no, I, I'll agree that it's what very good fuck, that dude, he has a name about, now. I didn't even think about oh. that, dude. They truly did build so much extra power into that name reveal because of how long we've been with him and and you know he's been he's we, we've just called him baby yoda a moniker uh, a moniker like n something that isn't even in the show and and i know there's like twitter guy out there who likes to crack the joke that i'm still gonna call baby yoda all right dude we've heard it from a million people that are also saying the exact same thing on yeah. twitter but at the end of the day, his name is Grogu. He's got probably a very interesting past flashback or something coming, Nick, where I think, and, and T-Bob talked about this, are we going to get like another a first-person view of when Anakin per murders all the younglings at oh, Coruscant sure. from fucking baby, uh, um, from Grogu? I, you? I think you opened so many doors. When, when she says even that he was you know involved in the temple at that point you kind of get so much more deeper of an understanding of this character and you what build been so through, much bro yeah grogu yeah that's, that's exactly some shit bro go yeah what blew me away is that grogu has trained with multiple jedi masters who all has well grogu known. worked with and he and he's had to suppress that just to get by as it yeah. says like literally just to survive he's had to undo some of that training which i oh, think yeah. undo may not be the correct word to say because he can still pull it out he no, might, but that's that, that's a, that's a constant it's thing just, i feel like in star wars lore now is the idea of closing yourself off to the force right yeah severing yourself off the force i think last uh, the, the the luke skywalker uh, i forget the damn one the one last jedi is that the one that everybody hates on yes but luke skywalker he cut himself off severed yeah. himself from the force to hide from the entire galaxy Yep. And and Grogu, in similar fashion, was not wanting people to notice that he was this force wielding, uh, you know, little guy. But man, he's like this foster kid who's just been through hell, man. Terrible. I mean, from the day he was saved uh, to when Mando got him, I mean, he's just been in this horrible run for his life, and then. And then now he's he's got this first thing that he's Mando that he trusts. It's like his a his surrogate dad. I mean, could you imagine what? Well, he was born. He was him? born again in a way, right? And, and yeah, like a agree. baby duck imprinting almost like his his memory wakes up. Uh, kind of, if if we're going by what they're telling us, 
It well, wakes up with that the I end think, of the episode, the end of episode one, where it well, opens and up and Baby Yoda sees Mando for the first time. Oh gosh, in the freaking touching floating crib. Oh yes. man, powerful image. And I, another uh, another thing that they've opened up for us is how we can get a rapid advancement in Grogu instead of a time skip. So what I think we've got is if multiple masters have worked with him and then for some reason he's gotten amnesia, whether his mind has gone blank or whether a Jedi, you know, did this to him to conceal these memories. Cause they, we, we now know that there's all these techniques to like pull memories from like these powerful force techniques that Kylo Ren and them introduced us to, right. Where you could just put your hand over their head and suck all their brain memories out. Yeah. Uh, also very a la Aang and Avatar. Yes, to, uh, very good point. You know, uh, and and the fact that Aang went missing for a hundred years and was this little young neophyte trained airbender. So yeah. you know, we may be able to unlock those memories with Grogu in some ways, and it advances his his. You know, whether what's shit, he may be able to wield a lightsaber. We don't know. You know? I mean, he, he may have one of those moments, a la. Um, I keep saying a la, it's so cheesy. He can, like like when he sees uh, uh, Monkey Azzo, you know, when he sees his corpse surrounded by all the dead Fire Nation soldiers. Like he may have a moment like that where it just kind of takes him to the next level. So yeah. I haven't. So I haven't considered this. You're talking about an actual quicker, like a speed, a sped up physical evolution. Yeah, potentially. I mean, uh, I think. In terms of force prowess, definitely. I mean, he's already exhibited major force prowess, right? Definitely in terms and of force prowess, but I'm talking about like size and like cognitive ability. Even though I'm, I'm yeah. I am a little struggling to nail down exactly how his cognitive setup works because he is childlike in so many ways, but he obviously has more communicable ability than we think. He was having a full-on conversation with Ahsoka. They were like going down memory lane, like full stop. Yeah, I, I mean, he's been but even she it. said Somebody that they were talking in of- a way. It, she didn't. She didn't make it sound like he knows how to speak in the way that we understand speaking. Oh, maybe no. Not. She she connected with him through the Force, but he was making noises and he was. They were having a full-on conversation. Well, yeah, no, no but, I, but but I guess I interpreted that as, yeah, something more ethereal, like through the force, like more of like just like a mental, like I'm not really right. talking. I, I, you know, what my brain I'm is, you are seeing my you brain, like happening. what I'm thinking. Yeah. And, and she runs into this dark spot too, right? There's this part where it all goes blank. You know what I mean? And ever since then, he doesn't remember anything. He's been running for his life, right? Um and so maybe there's, you know, the, the key to unlocking that memory may advance him a bit. Is is my point? It's like maybe there's a there's to me there's always been have to be this kind yeah. of plot device to make him more of a force wielding player. Uh, because if you look at the kid, I'm just my kids who watched it, they are all over Grogu. They think Baby so Yoda now Grogu. Though, I, I wonder if he becomes like physically older or or if or like you said if he involves in different ways maybe in abilities in his ability to communicate like i think you actually keep play this thing pretty slow with his physical yeah growth. no it's going to get played slow but you now have a mechanism that doesn't take a hundred years you know i, I, I think you, you explore that a little bit in kotor 2 where you are much like ahsoka a jedi who has cut themselves off from the force 
after being banished by the Jedi Order. And you get to kind of regain these kind of feats and, and features when you recover oh, items. Yeah, you wake past. up like, with amnesia at the very beginning of the game. Yeah, and in Kotor too. And then you kind of when you go on the Harbinger at the beginning, you find your old data pad and then some crystals that are tied to you, and then it kind of just kind of unlocks different things, kind of advances your uh, your progress a little bit. And I'm, and you know, somebody had to do something to block that memory, right? To do you uh, think so? Well, I, I feel like it could be like, or just do you like think a from like a traumatic, like, like a, yeah, like a survival, yeah, like a PTSD survival. defense mechanism? He's he's fifty. I think he's old enough at this point to be able to control that. Like, I mean, even if it's not something well, you can I think express it outwardly, been more instinctual. Like, I, I think it would have been more like because he is like, so young, like cognitively or in some ways, that it would have been more like he just naturally realized what he had to do to try to protect himself. I think as we learn more about him and how he works, we'll find that out. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're getting off that uh, into into all these different possibilities, but we do know who is when they say when, when he says his name. When he says his name, he tilts his little head oh. at him. It's about the oh. cutest thing you've ever seen. He was so happy to hear his dad say his name finally. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> um, also, you could tell that he had not. He, he was like uh, Obi Wan. He was like. That's a name I have not heard in a long time. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was happy for him to finally get to hear it again. Of course, I know him. Yeah. He's me. <laughs> and, and I love how that in that why we do a lot of chit chatting around the fire in the Mandalorian. I don't know if we, we we've now pointed this out. We've got all the different campfire scenes. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite and, thing. That's and, like a fantasy staple. And so they've got a wide shot of when they're when Mando, when D- Din Djarin and Ahsoka are having this talk about the Force and the Jedi and what powers them. And that's where she delivers the best of us line and why, uh, you know, all these cool things. And uh, Yoda, uh, Grogu's sitting in the middle. He's sitting in the middle. Mando's on uh, Din Djarin's yeah. on the left side, and she's on the right. And they're just having this conversation, and it just was—it's just a great shot. Those are his parents, dude. Uh, no, I don't know. We'll see. Okay, so Wait. okay, okay, okay. Hold on. I got—I got one more. Okay, where are we at right now? Shit, we're already at fifty-four minutes. Okay. Um, okay, I got one more small question, and then <laughs> God, there's so much to get to. Uh, we yeah, okay. we we could do a three-hour pod on this episode. Honestly, okay. okay. Do, does anybody have any theories on who smuggled Grogu out? Back in the day, during Order sixty six, I see uh, one that I'm in love with. I'm in love with the Mace Windu theory. Okay, so what is this? That he saved Grogu. That is all it is, and it's basically <laughs> boils down to all the Mace Windu uh, fans talking about how he's still alive. Well, Sam Jackson said himself, "If you don't, he, uh, Mace Windu is not dead unless you see a body." Well, I mean, is, also is like a, a everybody that falls—that's the old meme. Everybody that falls in Star Wars doesn't die. Uh, yeah, Luke, Maul, hand, the no Emperor, way. Luke. Uh, like, I mean, it's just time and time again. And Anakin, Anakin, Luke, and now Windu have all lost a hand, damn hand. Yeah. So he is. But but even I'm, more likely to survive if bro, you lose a what hand. If Samuel Paul? L showed up in like episode eight of the Mandalorian. Oh, bro! <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> or they or they give you surprise. They motherfucker. have got to do. They have got to do <laughs> yes, they have got to do a young Windu series or some kind of thing. I mean, can 
Actually, Disney that's Disney. one of my points of concern is that I think Disney is about to create a smorgasbord of different series. And I Good. wonder if you can keep the quality up on every one, right? I mean, but 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 that's a that's a okay. Look, okay, okay. Sorry, we we go a lot of different directions. But there's a large contingent of Windu fans that need a Windu series. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> I'm done. But uh, Samuel L will do anything, and yes. he's old enough now to play an old Windu. Like, get him on the Mandalorian at some point if you want to bring Windu do it. back. Um, do it. Okay, so. A lot of different directions we go, a lot that we didn't end up getting to, but I, I think maybe the most important thing to talk about at the end, what was y'all's interpretation of why Ahsoka chose not to train Grogu and instead gave them the mission to go to the Jedi Temple and have Grogu make that decision for himself? I think either she doesn't want to live down the consequences of bringing those elements back in him. Classic Star Wars theme. Or, since she has kind of gone away from the Jedi ways, I would not be surprised if it is a reaction out of fear, which is, you know, there is no academy out there. She just wants to get him away, and it gives her time to leave. Jesse, what do you think? So I'm going to wrap this thing up in a pretty little bow, too. I think she's on another mission, bro. And that mission is Thrawn. And that mission is Ezra Bridger. And that mission is what she's on. Okay? And if there was any other time where she had the, the opportunity to train Grogu, maybe. Right? Like where she could truly train him. But she's got a bigger mission at play. She's the chess master now. She's the Gandalf. And Grogu is becoming this chess piece to the grander Star Wars. I mean, it's like we said, Nick, this, we've gone into big boy Star Wars now, right? We're, yes. I mean, we're, yeah. We just said Thrawn out loud on a on live a, action a show, show, dude. You said, where is Grandmaster Admiral Thrawn? Oh, gosh. And you know those expanded universe book folks from the Thrawn trilogy are just... I mean that that's a big contingent of fans right there that you could be. That's a big. Fan I read two of the there. new Thrawn books and they're very good. Uh, I think are those also by Zahn? I didn't read the old Thrawn trilogy, but the old Thrawn trilogy is like the most legendary it's the extended key, it's universe. It's the best of the of the of that of that genre of the the expanded universe. Yeah. Those are the those three are held up. The Thrawn trilogy is held up above the rest. And I think she's got her mission. I think she, baby uh, uh, Grogu is now the the uh, the chess piece with sending him to some crazy Jedi temple ruins on Tython. Um, she's probably using that as an Ezra beacon. We're gonna pull yeah. rebels deeper in potentially, or there could be some other uh, things we pull out. And if, and and also, I, I believe that that her and Grogu had this uh, like. He was like, please don't take me away from my dad. And she was like, I'm not going to, bro. I think there's an element as Instead. well. I mean, there was definitely a look. So so through Rosario's acting, the feeling that I got was first that 
Uh, well, obviously, you could see that Mando was relieved, right? Even in his body language, he was super happy to get to stay with uh, to, with Grogu. And then Another mission. As he's walking away and Grogu's looking over his shoulder at uh, Ahsoka, you could see Grogu basically say thank you. And then, like you said, Jesse, you could see Rosario say, you know, like, you're welcome. Like, I'm happy y'all are staying together. But then as Ahsoka is walking away, yes, I'm 100% with you. Um, she's fighting the bigger game. Grand Admiral Thrawn is the master tactician. She is Gandalf opposite of Sauron. And I've been playing a lot of chess lately. And you're absolutely right, Jesse. He is the valuable piece right now. Yoda, he's a pressure point to be exploited. And so we talked about her being ruthlessly pragmatic. Um, it is not in my mind at all that she didn't want to train him out of fear. This is all a very premeditated move to exactly and my mind went to the exact same place so i don't know if that means anything but i thought this was a call out to ezra bridger and then i didn't connect that the thrawn but obviously yeah you know the what is it the well, wheel bridger weaves as the wheel wills. yeah exactly they're yeah. they're 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 two sides of the coin we always see that duality in star wars and so i feel like suddenly we have that flashpoint this jedi temple at the peak with Yoda, do we get Thrawn? Do we get and Ezra? From, and from and from what I can tell, Tython and this, we are it, it, we are setting up a scenario where we're going to take Grogu to some seeing stone or whatever we're going to call this, and and we're he's going to pick a path of the dark side or the light. Prop, I, I could see that happening, man. I could see some sort of. Sith-like well, I almost feel like he stuff. would have to like reject both at this point, right? If he's going to walk in the ways of Ahsoka, which maybe he will, maybe he won't. Who knows what Ezra's going to be like if we get eyes on him again. But I'll be interested so Grogu, to see if this show goes down the same kind of light-dark dynamic. And Grogu has a few paths ahead of him. One is he gets uh, trained by Mando, by Din. He gets trained in the ways of the Mandalorian, right? And then he's just got these little extra little force uh, superchargers to, to add to his Mandalorian skill set. Or he finds an Ezra Bridger, a Jedi master who trains him, who, who teaches him the ways of the force and, and the Jedi way. And is that Bridger? Is that Ahsoka? Is it, it doesn't sound like it's Ahsoka. Could it be Cal Kestis? Could it be... Ah, Jedi Fallen Order, could, shout out. Could it Another look, game dude, that features last... a Jedi that has cut herself off from the Force. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I heard the Kestis theory in my uh, one of my Star Wars group chats, and I <clears throat> absolutely love that theory. Yeah, that's they a good love one to pull in all there. the threads. They love to bring Filoni loves to bring in the full breadth of Star Wars. The uh, and so you have, or, or you could have Grogu fight the dark side. You could have Grogu have a moment of where the dark side tempts him and you see this stuff and and then breaks that cycle right by by see but my interpretation of all of this is that you have to accept some dark side no he is but but i mean like ahsoka like everybody like you have to accept some emotion you have to accept some attachment right the yin yang well, love and, and compassion, I mean, they're, they're two sides of the same coin, like we said earlier. And so these Jedi weren't allowed to love and they weren't allowed to do anything. But then we see Cain and Jairus and Hera's relationship be amazing. We see, um, you know, maybe Ahsoka's got one. We don't know, but... Uh, 
Ashoka made that to... first time joke that was pretty sexy. She was like, uh, what'd you tell him? She was like, I like They're first times. Memorable. They're always memorable. I was like, whoa, okay. Okay, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, but don't think that there's no chance for Grogu to, to flirt with the Sith, man. Like that could, We have not had our Sith introduction yet, guys. I mean, we and, saw that with the, um, with the fourth choke he did in season one. I mean, he, he's got it in him. Yeah, yeah he's, used, fourth he's choke. used dark side and, powers. I tried on Cara Dune, almost killed her. And yeah. the... Uh, and 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 then broke that up, and I could see a, a lot of anime, a lot of these shows. They have these moments where they're the the person is battling that inner demon, whether it's the red nine tail fox, Naruto, just give in, and they're going to surrender to the dark side, and then they're that one like light saves them, right? And that could be Den with with uh with our little boy Grogu, who I still think, I put this theory to bed, but I'm bringing it back out. We could be seeing our little flying Mandalorian Grogu wielding some jetpacks and stuff and being this like awesome uh, Mandalorian warrior uniting the clans. I mean, I'm putting it back out. I've taken it off the uh, out of the oven, and I'm putting it back on the table here. I... Uh... It's 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 gonna be that that would be incredible because one of the tightest parts of this episode was Mando flying in with the jetpack and drop kicking that dude and then quick drawing pow pow blasting two of them. Also, how about Ahsoka when she assaults the bell and and, and jumps yeah. up the wall and slices everybody up? It just looks so well. The Dark Knight. So. I had this. I mean, it reminded me of the Dark Knight and League of Shadows and cr that whole kind of. Uh, vibe we got from christian bale's uh, rendition of the batman and it she felt like the batman like yeah. in there like these bad guys had finally found somebody that was scarier than them and uh nick what do you think about the legendary weapon we're back to like I, I love how they've had this like video game element where we, when we first met, met Mando, he had like this blue rare armor, and now he's in like a full set of legendary orange. He's yeah. got full Beskar. He now is the legendary Beskar weapon. I mean, it's incredible. He's finally got it when he needs to do the close quarters battles. He can tab over to the uh, the melee weapon. <laughs> I, I love that. And or I he mean, can he make can another take badass on, He can piece take of, on uh, the dark saber now, along with any lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah, that's very important. And another video game element, um, I'd be totally remiss if I didn't say that they brought in the HK-class assassin droids in this episode. Um, that look like samurai. Yeah, and they, oh, they, 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 they very much fit that bill because, and I don't think this was a mistake, but the model they used in the, the episode was HK-87. The one that you have a companion as in KOTOR is HK-47. Uh. And he is one of the best uh, characters in that entire game. I, I'd put him probably as top two or three character in that game. But um, I don't think it's a mistake naming him that. Because they went from like HK-47 and KOTOR 2. You have to fight HK-50 model droids. Now we're at HK-87. So I don't think that's also, a mistake. Also, um, they were pretty tight. Her control over them. Like they, they just, they, they were kind of do whatever she said. Like emotion. And then when that one does that robot flip onto the roof. Yeah, like I was just very, about like, to remark on that because <laughs> I, I, I was kind of disappointed by them up to that point because they moved a lot less 
than I would expect them to. That's kind of a weird comment, but I, I feel like they just weren't really the HK badass that they're billed as, you know, 6,000 however many years ago KOTOR was. Ahsoka did dip out, out, though, when two of them dropped in. She took one well, out, yeah, but she also was like, all right, I'm out of here. They, they are bona fide, like, assassins that are like, they're not, you don't mess with them. They're not a joke. Have and they killed you see the him do that. Yes, they have uh, in in the oh, lore wow. that from back then. So they're 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 real. They're the real deal. Dude, um, what about the headshot that Din Jarn put on it on the uh, oof, rooftop? Oof. It, it was so dude. slick, bro. And then the scene kind of like draw, fall down. His and, like, six the noise shooter, was, dude. He's such a badass cowboy. It's come a long way too, man. That thing is. I mean, that, he's accurate. He chest shot your boy Johnny Ringo, and then p- pulled the headshot on the rooftop freaking assassin droid. That um oh man and and like you said when he flew in with the jetpack he kicks that dude and then pow pow it was awesome um and then finally like Nick said uh, earlier this season we're learning that nothing is filler and what a good call because all of a sudden the ball on the end of the drive shaft ends up being Baby Yoda's testing rock. A seed that had been so innocently planted all the way back early season one. And and the emotional impact of them just grows. And uh, this series is a masterwork. I'm left it is. routinely. And they just keep they keep just cooking this slow cooking this little brisket boy. And every time you think oh, that was stupid, or that was silly, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, that was the most powerful moment I've ever seen in Star Wars history. You know? <laughs> I mean, it is, it, they really are. Oh, I mean, dude, I just keep it. thinking about Ahsoka under the half moon with baby with Grogu. And, and I saw a guy on Twitter that made a comment that, he's, that I thought I really resonated with, and it was, it's finally good to see a series like this where the creators are fans, like absolute mm, fans, yeah. right? Like it's not just, um, you know, the casual fandom or that I've read the books or that these guys. No, Filoni understands that he has a better grasp of Star Wars than I think anybody in the planet, maybe outside of Lucas. And maybe then you watch so. the, the behind the scenes stuff, you realize that Favreau and Taika and yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, all the other directors they all were like childhood fans of like these the going to the Star Wars was their first like movie experience. That is true, know? that is true. But but I think but I think to your point, to your point though, Filoni though Yeah, he's got the chops, baby. Well it's all, it's just on another level, right? And that's the guy who is making the show. Like literally the guy who is the super, super fan going to the cons, but like actually seems to just grasp the actual material, what the story is telling us better than almost anybody else. Like that is the guy who is making this show. What he has done with the star Wars universe is nothing short of incredible. And, and wait till he, and wait till they fix, he's going to fix rise of Skywalker. I and Last so Jedi, too, and it's going to blow everyone's pull mind. It off, dude. <laughs> he's going to do it with a young, a superhero Luke scene in the Mandalorian somewhere. So, I mean, so that is okay. So let's in there then I keep saying that, but, um, (laughs) but, but, but I mean, but that's how I feel like I, I just, I, I feel like I'm on a collision course with Luke Skywalker. How could I not be? 
and I don't think it happens this season, but live action Luke has to show up somewhere in this show. I think this season we may hear about him. I still think that maybe he is going to be mentioned at some point, but at this point, I just feel like live action Luke is not if, but when. I feel like it's an inevitability. No, you sold me on that. I'm 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 on that train. And I think other people are in are starting to buy into that too, T Bob. I think you're right. And I think now we've kind of we've said, all right, then is if this is the venue that we're gonna bring live action Luke to to fulfill the desire of all the fanboys that wanted to see their childhood hero go Hamzilla with the lightsabers, this is gonna be your chance and here you go and we're going to do it in this this mandalorian uh medium where we where we've got a tv show model with a big budget film you know resources uh um, and I, does I think luke, luke battle thrawn in the thrawn trilogy right yeah oh yeah luke luke is a major to me the ahsoka to a tie ahsoka t- They've got to tie Ahsoka stronger to the originals in many ways outside of just the animated. Like, we're tied to her deeply, T-Bob, because we love Clone Wars, and we we think that the last season of Clone Wars, and it, when you watch it with Revenge of the Sith, it's in, incredible. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who aren't there. And so I think ways to tie Ahsoka to the originals, because she, why wasn't she such a big part of the originals, was is do it through a meeting with Luke, meeting Anakin's son, I think is just a powerful moment. And then I think reuniting her and Obi-Wan in the Obi-Wan series is another opportunity to, to just tie that together in a way. Uh, and I think that we're going to get that. I think fantasy, Star Wars, sci-fi, it's all about moments. This guy has figured out how to, how to cook them and slow cook them the best. And I think if we have a, an opportunity to Ahsoka to meet Anakin's son. I mean, can you imagine how emotional she'll be meeting her son? And then seeing that his son rejected the dark side and, like, basically succeeded in all the areas where her master, her best friend, and and his father And telling her of of Anakin's sacrifice in the end. Like, that's what I think Luke can do, too, is be like, look, in the end, you were right. He saved the day at the end of the day, right? And that's going to be a moment that 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 Ahsoka's going to. I mean, I can't imagine she's going to be able to hold that in. Star Wars rarely makes me like cry, like actually emotional. It has a couple times, maybe, but like that would be a moment. I think I think that would be a moment that could potentially do. No, it. no question about it. Um, all right, so obviously we've gone long, but uh, how could we not? Like Nick said, I think we talk about this for like three hours. But Nick, go ahead and take us out, man. Guys, uh, you brought your A game to this pod. Uh, this was an awesome, awesome talk. Uh, once again, just wanted to say thank you to David Prowse for all the memories. Um, rest in peace, David. And uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, we will gladly uh, air your questions at Four Mandalore Pod. No spaces, guys. We love to hear from you. Love to interact. Thank you so much for listening to the Four Mandalore Podcast.